Why don't you just join with me right now and declare that to God? You see, it's all about Jesus. Father God, this, this, today in this place, whether we're watching online or whether we're in this building, we declare with our hearts and with our minds and with our voices that Lord, You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. Lord, we bring You everything right now and we lift our hands, we lift our voices to You, we lift our praises to You and we say thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord, for Your grace. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for Your joy. Thank You, Lord, for all the goodness that You give to us in our lives. For Lord God, we declare right now that You are worthy of it all because You, Lord, You are our Lord, You are our Saviour, You are our Provider, You are our Father, You are everything. And we give Jesus a praise and a thank offering today in this place. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Well, before you take your seats, why don't you wave at someone in the distance and say to them how good looking they are this morning and that they've chosen to come to the best place. They've chosen to come to church. It is so good to be in church, isn't it? It's so precious that we as a, a body can gather together and worship together and just gather in His name. There is something precious, there is something anointed, there is something special, you know, and if you are watching online, you are still church because you are involved with us right now, so we welcome you. You know, Tara just um, shared the offering with us and there was a, a few words, there was a word that she kept saying over and over and she didn't notice it, but she said the word joy, joy, joy. You see, joy is an amazing gift from God to our lives. And right now in the seasons that we've gone through and for some of us the seasons we're going through, that precious gift of joy is something that is more than just tangible. It's deep-rooted, it's deep-seated. It's something that stays with us even when we go through the storms and the trials of life. And in our campaign, we are talking about thankful, being thankful. So today, I want us to look at this, this thing called joy. And as we do, to remind ourselves to be thankful of where our source of joy comes from. I'm gonna use three characters that can help me explain this. First of all, Jesus. He is our source of joy. So I'll be talking about that. And then I'll be talking about David. Remember David, he actually had his joy revoked. He lost his joy. And then we're gonna look at Peter, because Peter was a person that also lost his joy, but he got it restored. Is that okay with you? Go on, nudge that one next to you. Say, is that okay with you? So I don't know where you're at right now, whether you are in a place where you are so joyful and everything's so great in your life, or I don't know whether you're feeling like you've lost the joy or whether everything's so drudgery and miserable or I don't know whether you've gone through that and now your joy is just starting to rekindle and be restored. But wherever you are, I wanna to explain to you today that joy is something that carries us through all seasons. When I was a child at school, I was nicknamed the Smiler. Not anything to do with the Joker, the Smiler. 
And it seemed to be that whatever I was going through, I just seemed to be smiling. And I walked into a room and I would smile. You know, I, I could have had a bad day that day, but I just had this automatic smile. And I don't know why. Some of us have a deposition de- where we have like a, what's that, a resting face? I won't go there. But uh, I wish that smiler face had stuck with me through all my ages, but I, I, I still think I tend to be a smiler, and I know that my youngest son is, is a bit like that as well. Um, but when I was an adult, a young adult, I thought that joy was something I got by going on lots of holidays. I used to love going on holidays, and I loved it so much that I even became a travel agent. So I went around the world, and I just thought, as long as I can keep traveling, as long as I can keep holidaying, that is my source of joy. And also, I thought my source of joy was like having the fastest, latest cars. And so I would, I would enjoy them, and I thought that would, was my source of joy. And so I would enjoy driving down Blackpool Promenade, where I lived at the time, in my soft top car, and thinking, this is my source of joy. How wrong I could be. I also thought that earning lots of money was my source of joy, because I needed lots of money for all the purchases that was gonna bring me joy. And so all this stuff together accumulated, and I'm thinking that my source of joy is coming from that. And don't look at me like that, because there are many of us that get into that trap where we think that it's the people that we know, or the places that we go to, or the positions that we attain, or the purchases that we buy that bring us joy into our life. It wasn't until I got invited to a church in Blackpool that I realized that wasn't the joy I needed. It wasn't a joy that sustained me. It wasn't a joy that would hold me through. You see, I walked into this church, and as I walked in, there were people that were like singing with their arms up. They were like the happy, clappy lot. Have you ever met them? And they were singing to Jesus and they had this smile on their face and they were so happy and dancing and like giving the Pentecostal hop. And I realised very quickly that they had a joy that I did not have, that their joy seemed genuine and mine didn't seem so genuine. Mine was something that would slip through my fingers. So if the car broke down, that was my joy gone. You know, if the holiday collapsed, then that was my joy gone. If the money ran out, then that was my joy gone. But I just got an inkling that the people in this church that I'd gone to, if, if all that stuff left their lives, that they would still be there on a Sunday. Happy, clappy Christians. I guess that's what we're supposed to be, isn't it? When you walk into a place You can affect a place, not just by the Spirit of God that you carry, but what's on your face. Do you wear Jesus on your face? I've been to many places and you walk in and people look grumpy. They might not be grumpy, but just because they look grumpy, you feel like, oh, let me just step back out. And yet when we walk into a place and we've got a smile on, you know what happens? People smile back. We set the bar and we bring joy into an atmosphere. But there was something more about this church. There was something more about these people. And then when I gave my life to Jesus, when I decided I'm going to be a Christian, when I decided I'm going to try and live by the Word of God, I asked Jesus Christ into my life. And then I got it because it was like this liquid joy came down inside of me. Some of you do know what I'm talking about. It was a joy so deep. It was a joy that was like ignited my soul and it never has left me in 32 years. But it's not a joy 
that is happy, clappy all the time. It's a joy that gives me strength. It's a joy that sustains me. It's a joy that holds me firm when life chucks its stuff at me. And I just wanna remind us, first of all, that joy is a gift that is received. And true joy, true biblical joy, true joy that humanity needs is only received from Jesus. In Luke 2, I love it when the angel says, good news, great joy for all people. Joy to the world is the song we sing because this gift has come. Jesus broke through the, into the earth atmosphere to bring us everything, but also to bring his joy. And that day in the Blackpool church, when I decided, yes, I'm gonna follow Jesus, I got like a salvation benefits package. Has anyone got a benefits package in the place where they work? Where I used to work many years ago, I got the car, I got the booper, I got the pension, I even got a, a living nanny thrown in. They were all benefits of my workplace. But as I started to consider, you know, as soon as we sign up to Jesus, we get some benefits that we, we didn't ask for, that we, we didn't earn and we didn't even expect. And Galatians tells it the best way. He gives us love. He gives us joy. He gives us peace. He gives us patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all gifts that come from the Holy Spirit when we sign up to Jesus. And for me, as I left that church that day, there was this deep, unexplainable, unfathomable, unmovable, tangible, residing joy deep within my soul. I want to ask you today, have you got that type of joy in your life? Have you got that type of Jesus joy in your life right now? I remember someone saying to me once that joy simply means Jesus over you. Well, I don't know about over me, but I can feel him inside of me. There used to be an advert years ago, the Ready Breck advert. Who remembers that? Come on, we'll show our age, won't we? There was a Ready Breck advert. And if you ate your Ready Breck, then you'd have this glow all over you and you'd go through all winds and weather to school or to work, but you were okay because you had this glow around you. It was the ready breath glow. And it's a bit like that when you receive Jesus into your soul that you get this all around glow, but it comes from the inside out and it's called his joy. In John 15, 11, it says this. Actually, Jesus is saying this. So that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. You see, we have a, our joy, and we have a Jesus joy, and they are different things. Our joy, as I said, is dependable on outside things and the circumstances and the people and everything going right, but the Jesus joy remains all the time. It's a new inner trust, it's a new inner hope, it's, it's inside, it's been injected. You know, sometimes I like these flavoured teas and you've got to soak the tea bag into the teacup and then the water gets infused with the aroma and it's a bit like this as we sit with Jesus, as we sign up to Jesus, we become infused with his joy all over and all within. It's a secure, steadfast, 
strong, supernatural joy. You see, it doesn't rely on circumstances or feelings because it tells me in 1 Thessalonians that this is a joy given by the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. It's not according to the natural, but it is supernatural. It's from God. It's from the Holy Spirit. And it's in, it's in my life given to me as a gift from Jesus. And that's all good stuff. But then we get to the tricky point where it says in Philippians 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. And just in case we didn't get it, it says, I say again, rejoice in the Lord. Always. But what about when we face death, sickness, trauma, trials, stress, pain, What about when someone leaves us abandoned, when someone rejects us? What about when I fail? What about when I mess up? What about when other people mess up to me? What about tragedy and trouble? Lord, are you saying that I've got to be happy, clappy and joyful through all those times, through all those seasons? And, and, and maybe you don't know what I'm going through right now. My, my situation isn't that good right now. My circumstances are crushing me right now. Are you saying I've got to rejoice always in the Lord? I'm not saying it, but the Bible is. But it isn't there to be cruel. It's there for a reason. Because it's at those times when things are not going so well that we need to draw in, that we need to draw close, that we need to lean into Jesus and we need to draw upon his strength and his joy. And it's a bit like this. My grandson Judah, when he was little, he came to stay and he was running around and I kept telling him, slow down, slow down. But he was running around and he stubbed his toe and his face crumpled up in pain and he hopped and he cried and he screamed and he went gran gran and I scooped down and I picked him up and I held him close and I hugged him and I kissed him and I rubbed his toe better and then I started to tickle him and then all of a sudden the tears were wiped away and the tears went away and then he started to giggle with the tickles now I don't think that his toe was Mended completely. I think he still felt the pain. But what I was doing was putting love upon him. So much so that his focus then became not the pain, not the stubbed toe, but became the kisses of his granny. And Father God is like that, you know. When we feel the pain in our life, that's the time that we run to God and not from him. That's the time when we say, God, oh God, I've stubbed my toe and the pain is excruciating. Lord, I can't walk properly now. Lord, I am so much anguish. Lord, and we lift our hands and we cry to God, just like my little grandson Judah. And God does the same today because he's the same God. And he scoops down and he picks us up and he holds us close And I just sense that God, in some way or other, starts to tickle us even in our pain. You've got to draw close. You've got to lean in when you're going through some stuff. 
Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What fruit are we talking about? One of them is joy. And Jesus says, when you step away from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we are not remaining close to him in our times of pain, when we are not reaching for him in our times of pain, then the joy of the Lord cannot be our strength because we have to remain on our own joy, remain on our own strength. That's why it's so much easier to say, God, help me. Pick me up. Hold me close. When we hurt, that is the time to root into God. That is the time to rest in God, to abide in him. And it also says in the scripture about clinging to him. And that's my clinging, raising my hands to God. Lord, pick me up. I cling to you in this pain. There was an Irish man called Joe Scrivens many, many years ago. He was a missionary. He felt the call of God to go to the um, indigenous Indians way, way back before the cowboys were on the scene. And he had a gorgeous wife at home, his fiancée. And as time went, uh, she got on a boat to meet him and he was there the other side of the ocean waiting for her to come off the boat. And she was beautiful and he loved her very much. And it was God's will. They had prayed so much into this marriage But before they managed to tie the knot, before they managed to get the wedding, there was a tragic accident and she was killed and she was dead. What was this man to do? He'd followed the will of God. He was in a foreign country, in a foreign territory. He was wanting to serve God and do his will and yet the love of his life had just lost her life. He said, God, help me. I stubbed my toe. I've stubbed my heart and the pain is overwhelming me. And right now I can't do anything. I cannot get joy into my life because I have lost her. And 12 months later, Joe Scrivens wrote this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations. Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You see, Joe Scrivens, he'd he'd stepped into this secret, which I'm telling you today, that when stuff happens to our life, when stuff steals our joy, that we lift our hands up and we run to God and we say, God, pick me up. God, hold me close. God, I cling to you. And he learned to remain in God all through his hurting heart, so much so that he penned this song that we sing centuries after he wrote it. Because God can take something that is hurting us and killing us and he can turn it around for his good and for his glory. You see, you're not created or do you have the capacity to cope with life's pains and trials and traumas? When you were created in your mother's womb, God left a little gap there of need so that when you were in desperate need and desperate pain that you couldn't go anywhere else for that comfort but to Jesus Christ. And it's when you do that that Jesus carries the pain. 
He carries the burden. He takes the troubles. Like my little grandson Judah, I scooped him up and carried him. Like Joe Scrivens, who wrote this amazing song, like you and me today, as we lift our hands up to God, as he, as, as he sees us calling to him in our pain, he scoops down, just like Jesus came to the earth, he scooped down from heaven, and he draws us close, he holds us tight, and he blows away the pain. And then, I think that Joe could say this scripture, I am filled to the brim with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in spite of trouble, in spite of trauma, in spite of strife. And Paul wrote this when he was in a prison, when he was being um, mistreated and mishandled. He still wrote, I am filled to the brim with joy, the joy of the Lord. I am overflowing in spite of my trouble and trauma and strife. I am filled with the joy of the Lord. It's not that the pain really goes away. But the pain loses its power. In Jesus, the pain that we feel loses its power. The force, the sting, it gets washed away. It gets overshadowed. It gets diluted. Because when we put Jesus over our pain, when we put Jesus over our problems, when we put Jesus over our situations, when we put Jesus over our circumstances, then the joy of the Lord wells up within us. And we sense his closeness. We sense his care. We sense his compassion. And it seems to numb the pain to a certain extent, just enough to get us through the day, just enough to get us through the pain. It's what makes us stand out from people who do not know Jesus. We can receive joy according to the Bible, not according to me. We can receive the joy of the Lord in sorrow. We can receive the joy of the Lord in persecutions, in trials, in troubles. And even when we stub our toe with the stuff that goes on in our life. But when we do stub our toes, we reach to Jesus and we allow him to carry us through. We allow him to hold us through. We allow the joy of the Lord to be our strength where we find no strength. I just want to say to you today, before we go any further, please remember where your source of joy comes from. And please know what it's there for. It's there to give you a strength that you have not got. It's there to give you a hope that you don't have anymore. It's there to carry you through the times when you can't see the end because it feels so dark. But that joy of the Lord is a gift from God. It's a gift sent from Jesus. It's a gift that's inside of us in the power of the Holy Spirit because it is a supernatural joy. And that's all great. I've reminded you now to dip into your toolbox of what God has given you and, and to remember to apply the joy of the Lord into your life. But what happens or what causes our joy to disappear? The next person I want to talk about is David. You all know him. David went through a season where his joy was revoked. You know when you revoke something, it's something that was there one minute and then it's gone the next. You can't find it. 
And we, we know the story about what he did. But there was something that happened. And, and then, you know, he, he, he should have been going to war. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. David had, had reached a place in his life where he had a certain amount of victory, a certain amount of luxury. And all the team around him said, hey, David, you don't need to go to war. We've got this. You stay at home. What they hadn't realized was the call on his life from God was that he was a fighter, that he should have been leading the battle. He shouldn't have been wasting his time walking on the rooftops of his palace. When we are in the wrong place at the wrong time, there is danger ahead. And we know the story. He sees a beautiful woman, Bathsheba, and he does everything he can to get Bathsheba. He has an affair with Bathsheba, even though she is married to one of his most loyalist soldiers. But then it gets worse. She gets pregnant, and he tries to scheme his way out of it. And while he's busy trying to scheme his way out of it, he eventually gets so desperate that he murders her husband. You see, one little slip-up The Bible calls them sins. One little sin started a roller coaster of big stuff. And you might think today, well, you know, I don't do anything bad. I I don't do anything really, really bad. But David didn't start doing bad stuff in a big way. He started by just a look, by just a little fancy. And then he stepped further and further. And as he stepped further and further, he started to have secrets and he started to hide stuff, even from his own soul, even from his own mindset. Because I think at the time he was in oblivion when he was enjoying Bathsheba. But as he's getting married to this beautiful woman, they're expecting a child, everything's going for him. But we can read between the lines. And at some point, David has lost the joy of the Lord. And we can all do it. We can still operate. He's still operating in ministry. He's still acting as king. He's still making decisions. But the joy has gone. I guess there's no one else that experiences that in life. And it gets drudgery and hard. But he presses on because he's the king. And eventually, Nathan comes to him, of course. God has to send someone to him. You see, David is so oblivious to the wrong that he's done, to the sin that he's done, that God has to send someone. You know, God sent a prophet. God sent his word. God would always challenge us and chastise us and get our attention by the power of his word. And sometimes he has to do that with skin on. Sometimes he has to send people into our lives to hold up in front of us a mirror so that we can see how things really, really, really are. So David was confronted with his sin, with all the wrong stuff that he did. And when he realized, when he had revelation that he had hurt the heart of God, this was no ordinary man. This was an anointed man. This was a man who was after the heart of God. This is a man that God had blessed so much. He had seen the miraculous hand of God on his life. And yet he finds himself caught out in a great big sin. And there's anguish in his soul. 
His joy is gone. His joy is lost. It's been blocked. It's, it's been revoked. You know, when the joy is lost in our life, it's just a, a little indicator that the flow has stopped. Maybe we need to be like the branches and the vine and get that connected to God. Remain, abide. The flow, the flow of the life of God had left him. His joy had gone. This man was a man that had been empowered to carry the grace of God. He'd been privileged, he'd been honoured, he'd been trusted. And yet it says in scripture, in Ephesians, it says, don't give the foothold, sorry, don't give the devil a foothold in your life. You see, when we step into something that is called sin, when we step into something that is is not God's will, when we step into areas and do stuff that is against God's word, we are giving the devil a foothold. We're saying, here, devil, grab my ankle, grab my foot. And when the devil gets hold of our foot, then we can't run into the race that God has called us to run into. And we can't walk into the things of God. And we're limping through life because our joy is gone. And because we've given the devil a foothold and we can't shake it off. We can't shake it off. And so here is David. He is now stunted and stopped into all the promises of God. And he is beside himself with pain and anguish. As he writes and he screams and he cries out to God, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He's been exposed. He's been uncovered. Because God knows him full well. And yet what does God do? As soon as David reaches out, I've stubbed my toe, Lord. And it hurts. He's realized, he says, only against you, Lord, have I sinned. When we mess up, when we do rubbish, when we do sin, I'm sorry to say, we always hurt other people. And usually the people that we love. Usually the people that are closest to us. So David's son His little baby died because of his sin. And then later on, his own household, his own family rose up against each other and the kingdom split in two. His enemies came against him. There's always a consequence to the sin. Even though there is a forgiveness in God, there is often a consequence that we have to walk through. It affects others. And here we find David simply saying, Lord, put back into my heart the heartbeat of God. Put me back with you where I once was. Wash away my sin. Clean me. Make me whiter than snow. And he's he's crying out to God. And so God does restore David. He forgives him. He gives him back his kingdom. He mends his family. He, He brings him back to his bosom. And God does that for you and me. And David's joy was restored. You see, Jesus is in the business of restoration. 
He is in the restoration business of our joy. And I just want to show you one more person. And his name is Peter. Because Peter is an example of joy restored. Peter is another sold out man of God. He is a sold out disciple. Isn't he the one that stepped out and walked on water when no one else would do that? Isn't he the one that chopped off the ear of the God that came to arrest Jesus? Isn't he the one that said, when everyone else forsakes you, I will never, 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 ever forsake you. Lord, no, not me. I'm sticking right by you. Isn't that Peter? The man of God? The one who seemed to be like the best buddy to Jesus? The one who couldn't live without Jesus? And yet, this man Peter failed three times. Three times he denied that he even knew Jesus. Three times he pretended not to have any association with Jesus. Three times he hid himself from seeing his saviour. You see, he denied him. He abandoned him. Words are very, very powerful. Words are little tiny, tiny things. It's the little stuff, you know, that hurts people. Just think about yourself, isn't it? The little words that you've heard over your life that have hurt you. And we're the same back and forth. We give and we take gossip and slander. But the gossip and the slander then leads to the great big stuff that separates us from the joy of the Lord. Like David did. He then entered into adultery and murder and then covering up stuff. Little foxes ruin the vineyard. But not only vineyards, you know, little words ruin lives. They ruin relationships. They ruin reputations. They ruin ministries. They ruin churches. They ruin friendships. There's little whispers and little comments and little remarks. And when they get to the wrong person, they cut them to pieces. I don't want to ask you publicly if you've ever said a wrong word against anyone because the answer is probably yes. We're amongst good company. We have all been there. We've all done it at times in our lives. But words are very, very powerful. And Peter at this moment, his words of denying Christ were very powerful. They cut him off from the purpose of God. They sapped His joy, his joy was gone. And then I remembered what David had said in one of his psalms. It's amazing that David wrote some amazing psalms, but he he, he did some bad stuff and he did some great stuff. But all through it all, he seemed to cling to God. And he says in one of his psalms, he says, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. As I'd said before, David was oblivious in his sin. When he was chasing after Bathsheba, he wasn't interested in God. He wasn't chasing after God in that moment. He was chasing after this woman. But while David was chasing after Bathsheba, God was chasing after David. Someone once told me that, you know, when you go into an area of sin that God, like, leaves you, the Holy Spirit leaves you, maybe there is a sense of that. But God has promised never to leave me, never to forsake me. In fact, even when I mess up, I sense God chasing after me to bring me back into the place where I should be. 
Remember that God sent Nathan the prophet to bring revelation and confrontation to David in his sin. But in the New Testament, he doesn't need to do that because he sends himself as the living word, Jesus Christ. And Jesus went out seeking after Peter because Peter had messed up, because Peter had sinned, because Peter was now separated and Peter was now walking away from the will of God. He'd gone back fishing when he should have been fishing for men. And he says to Peter, Peter, what are you doing on this beach? I thought I called you to serve me, to fish for men, not for fish. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know me. You know I love you. And that is the crux of it. You see, Jesus, in his amazing grace, knows us full well. He knows that we trip up. He knows that we make mistakes. He knows that we sin. But what he doesn't want us to do is to run away from the call of God. To run away from what God has called us to do from the commission like Peter. He doesn't want us to hide in secret and and try and, and cover it up like David did. But when we mess up, when we sin, we've got a sense, we've got to be in tune that our joy has gone. And when our joy goes, we've got to say, God, God, I've stubbed my toe. Lord, pick me up, hold me close. And we have got to run to God in those times. And he says to Peter, I've got a commission for you. I believe that Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him to cancel out the three times where Peter denied him. If only, if only that God would take back the words that we say. Because that's what he did with Peter. He took the words back that Peter said and he threw them as far as the east as the west and he forgave him and he reinstated him, he recommissioned him. I remember saying a prayer recently, one of David's prayers. And it went like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and see if there's any offensive way in me. And then I went off to worship. I went off to church. I think I said that prayer and I quite boldly and proudly went about my business. I'd forgotten that I'd prayed that. I'd forgotten that I'd asked God to to look at my heart and to test me. And I thought everything was okay. I felt that God was anointing me. I felt that God was blessing me. I felt that we were walking all right together. And then, just quietly, out of nowhere, I said a few stupid words. And the moment I said them, it pierced my heart. Maybe it was gossip, maybe it was slander. But I almost instantly prayed that God would hide those words, that the person intended it for would never hear those words. I wanted to bring the words back and shove them down my throat. Three 
little words or whatever it was. It was just a few seconds and I was in the middle of a flow of doing good stuff for God and yet I said these few seconds of words and it was like an arrow pierced my soul and my joy was gone and for a few days I was walking around like a limp because I think I'd given the devil a foothold in my life by opening my mouth and saying stuff that was not good was not godly. I lay on my face and I said, Lord, forgive me. Can you just take those words away? You see, we sometimes think that things are unheard and unseen, but Hebrews says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. And as I'm praying to God on my face and asking him to chuck my words away, to hide them, to bury them, make sure no one ever sees them or hears them, and I'll promise never to say them again, even though it was a few seconds, I need my joy back, Lord. I need my skip back, Lord. I need my my head to be lifted again, Lord. Here is what he showed me. Isaiah says, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. (sighs) Yes, Lord, that's me. And then I just sense God taking a coal like he did in Isaiah. And he puts the coal on my lips. And I felt cleansed. I felt new again. I felt the joy rush through my soul. So when I'm talking about joy, I'm not talking about the happy clappy. I'm talking about that sense of being separated from God, of being on the wrong side of God. I cannot stand that. That zaps my joy. Some of you in this room today and some of you watching online today, You were running a great race. You were doing great things for God. But what tripped you up? What gave the devil a foothold in your life? Why have you run away from the call of God, from the commission of God? Why are you hiding in shame? Why have you piled up stuff to hide what you've done? Galatians says this, you were running a good race. Who or what cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? As we prepare to worship God in this last song, I just want to remind us that God's throne is a throne of grace. And God's throne is a place that we can run to with confidence. Just like my little grandson Judah, when he shoots his arms up because he's in pain and he says, Gran, when we are in pain, when we realise that we have lost our joy, and sometimes we can be like David where we don't realise we've lost that joy. But today I ask that God would show you your heart right now and that you would sense his presence right now. All around this place. Maybe you don't get what I'm saying. Maybe you haven't got this joy. I'm going to say a prayer. And if you want to trust your life into Jesus' hand and receive his joy, just say this prayer in your heart quietly. No one needs to know right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I don't fully understand everything that's been said but I know that I don't have that joy of the Lord in my life, that joy that gives me strength through tumultuous times. And I ask you, Jesus, 
to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins and to fill me with your Holy Spirit presence of joy in Jesus' name. And if you have said that prayer today, please do not leave this place until you have told that to someone. Go to our cafe area and get a pack and it will explain what you've done. If you are in this place today and maybe you're like David and you're caught right up in, the, in, a, in a sin right now and you're trying to hide it with more stuff. Lord, I pray right now in the power of the Holy Spirit that you will give them strength to say, God, I need you right now and reach down Lord and take them out of that place and dust them down and if you're in this place today and maybe you're like Peter you went back fishing instead of fishing for people because of something you'd done because of some mess up in your life and God says today get back in the race get back to do what I called you to do there is nothing that can stop you from the call of God when you run to Him, when you get right with Him. Father God, I pray for anyone in this place or watching online right now that maybe is in that place in their life where they were running a good race and they got tripped up. Right now, Lord God, we pray with them that Lord, as they lift their hands to you and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I know that you're gonna reach down and you're gonna place them back into the place where they need to be. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every one of us right now that we will once again sense your overflowing goodness, your overflowing joy deep within our hearts, that joy that gives us strength to go through this week, to go through next week, to go through the traumas and trials of life, but also, Lord God, that we can wear Jesus on our faces, and in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening.